This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Working Overtime, the little sister of working where we hash out advice about creativity and the creative process. I am your host, Isaac Butler. And I'm your other host, Karen Hahn. Karen, I am so excited because this week we are answering a listener email. And not only that, that means we finally get to unveil our listener email theme song. Listener email. (laughs) This one comes from listener Jeffrey. He writes... I'm interested in how creativity is depicted, usually poorly, on stage and screen. I think of this just having finished the Beatles Get Back documentary. It was so good because it was so boring. (laughs) Even edited down from 60 plus hours of raw footage, you see long stretches at a time where they sit around smoking cigarettes by the carton load. Uh, do you want do some sandwiches? Uh, we don't eat these. Paul, do you want some sandwiches? Hang on. Ray, do you want a dry bun? A dry bone, yeah. But then, boom, you see a flash of brilliance and Paul serves up Let It Be. Without the painfully boring segments, which we're tempted to fast forward through, the viewer wouldn't appreciate the brilliance of the creative moment, which produces the enduring classics of our lifetimes. But film and TV don't have this luxury. How boring is it to depict a writer at work staring at the blank screen? Creative genius is difficult enough to understand, but depicting it in drama is nearly impossible, except in very impressionistic ways. So there's a bunch of stuff that Jeffrey is raising here that I think is important. But the first is how much of the creative process actually looks extremely boring from the outside. So I thought we could help illustrate this to our listeners. So, for example, Karen, (laughs) you are a creative person. You're a writer. You've made those wonderful short videos with your partner. You write songs. You do all sorts. You did scripted stuff. But if someone were making a documentary about you and filming your actual creative process, what would it look like? I mean, I think it would hugely depend on the project that was being filmed of me doing. That's a horrible sentence in terms of structure, but you get what I mean. Where, like, if I'm, for instance, like, drawing something, there's a lot more visual stimulus there. Because from the beginning, you'll see, like, whatever resources I pull up to draw from, and then, like, sketching, and then inking, or whatever. But, like, when it's myself writing, that's probably the most boring one, because it's just watching someone basically do their homework. Another 
another thing that's maybe better than that is like when I work with my partner, who is also my writing partner, where we actually talk to each other about what right. we're doing, because that's the only way that you can work together with somebody. In that case, you have something to listen to and like a discussion to sort of weigh in on in your own head if you're watching. But also sometimes I worry that it's just going to look like I'm bullying him for three hours and that's how we get work done. <laughs> is that really? Or are you just like... Well, Buddy, it's, you gotta go. Let's. The way that the reason that I think we work so well together is our, our creative styles are very polar opposite. Where he is more tempted to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall, I think, where he's like, "What about this cool idea?" And this and this and this and this. And I'm always the one who's being like, "Okay, but we need to like have a structure. We need to do the outline." I'm very type A, I guess. Um, so You're sometimes the left brain to his right brain. So sometimes it can seem like I'm just cracking the whip. I think. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you were to watch my creative process, the most exciting thing you would see me do is pace because like when I'm working out an idea I pace hmm. it drives my wife bonkers I was just about she to could ask hear about me that. walking back and forth <laughs> yeah 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 but I mean it's literally like you would see me type a couple sentences and then be like oh shit and then get up and pace and mouth to myself that's the most interesting thing you're gonna get most mm-hmm. of the rest of the time it's just me reading mm-hmm. or typing away or petting my dog and I don't know this is like one of those like streams that you tune into for like panda cam or whatever and oh, yeah. 20 hours just they're just sleeping and then four hours they're Soothing sort of walking vibes. around. Yeah. <laughs> lo-fi, what is it? Beats to chill out to study to or whatever. Yeah, lo-fi yeah. writing to chill out yeah. to. And it's just me being like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I do someone layering some typing Foley in there. You uh, can make some real passive income that way. Exactly. So I want to go a little bit further than the idea that the creative process looks boring. Mm-hmm. And I want to pause it and I'm going to get your thoughts on this that actually like boringness or boredom and the state of being bored can be an important part of the actual creative process for artists. Do you ever experience that or am I full of baloney? What I really want to point out here is that we have like rough scripts that we write for the episodes where we like say like what questions we are thinking about asking. And Isaac has just written in here in my answer space, Karen either agrees or we fight to the death. And I just wanted to point that out on air. Um, I don't know. I've never thought about it that way. I think boredom is inherently a part of the creative process just because you don't always know what you're doing. Right. Um, But I'm curious how you think it is important to the process. I want to I want to hear more about that. Well, I just think about like a lot of the creative process actually looks like you're sitting around nothing happening. That's what right. he was saying about get back. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the the thing is like you wouldn't get let it be without the Beatles sitting around smoking cigarettes and mm-hmm. being bored. Do you know what I mean? Like there, well, there is that- a certain thing where like like at some point, at least I find, particularly if I'm between projects, mm-hmm. you know, the experience of being between projects is pretty boring in some way because mm-hmm. I don't have something I'm actively working on. And then it's like at some point my brain gets really sick of not having anything to work on and just start serving up ideas. I mean, I really find that that happens sometimes that I have to like wander into the desert to find the oasis or whatever. Yeah, I think it's almost too variable for me to want to weigh in with a serious answer, though, just because like the fact that you're bored doesn't mean that you will have some brilliant inspiration on the other side of that. It's like boredom is just a constant. It's just part of it. You know, it's it's not a sign that you're on the precipice of a creative breakthrough it's also not a sign that you're wasting your time and you should quit or you're a terrible artist it's like anything else where it's like it could be helpful and it could not be so and i think part of what we're talking about here is that creative work is work and just like an office job has its drudgery the creative process has its drudgery absolutely so 
Are there any particularly good or particularly laughable depictions of the creative process in TV and film? We will talk about that after this. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com working. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right. Welcome back to Working Overtime. Okay, Karen, sometimes being an artist, it's boring. But film and TV, they have to be interesting. Are there any movies or TV shows that you can think of that have done a particularly good job at squaring this circle? Honestly, I was thinking about a lot of different like artist biopics. But frankly, I think maybe the best depiction is... The meme, the the gif of the math lady, do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's just this woman looking really confused and then a bunch of equation symbols just floating in the air around her. Right. I feel like maybe that's the best and most dynamic way that anyone has ever presented, like, thinking. So, like, when they're doing a biopic of Charles Dickens or whatever, they should just cut to the math lady during the writing part? <laughs> no, just have whoever's playing Charles Dickens just sort of looking around and then just... <laughs> No, don't do that. I do think it would be awful, but I do think the math lady gif is extremely good. One of the ones that I was thinking about, though, that I think captures this, that a lot of these dynamics is adaptation. Mm, the Charlie mm-hmm, Kaufman movie, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so much of that is just him sitting there not writing or finding excuses <laughs> yeah. not to write. To begin. To begin. How to start. I'm hungry. I should get coffee. Coffee would help me think, but I should write something first, then reward myself with coffee. Coffee and a muffin. You know, and there's there's good documentaries about the creative process. Like there was one that came out last year about Bill T. Jones called Can You Bring It? Mm. I'm a huge fan of Al Pacino's film Looking for Richard, which is about trying to do Richard III. Mm. Um, there's, of course, the musical Sunday in the Park with George, yeah. or the TV show Slings and Arrows. But, but what I realized is that all the, these things have in common, including adaptation, is, you know, Charlie Kaufman has to invent a fake twin brother, mm-hmm. right? The problem, it's not just the film and TV has to be interesting. It's that 
film and TV don't take us into the interior of the character. Everything is done in dialogue. Everything is exterior and how you make the interior state of creativity and, um, inspiration exterior. I don't know. That just seems like a really big challenge and I'm not sure how one figures that out. Yeah. I wonder if this is part of the problem of why like journalism as a medium has never been portrayed particularly well on screen. Like I think there are a couple of exceptions to the rule, but I feel like the popular um, stereotype of journalism or especially in terms of criticism tends to be very simplified maybe because of this, Mm -hmm. because the way that it's perceived is always in relation to the art as opposed to the writing itself and it's like all the female journalists like sleeping with their sources or whatever and then like all the critics just hate art and it's like neither of these things is true like uh i'm going on to a different tangent here but i think you you empathize with my (laughs) my i I absolutely do i i think just to sidebar you know the female journalist sleeping with their source thing it's just that that has to die in a fire i never want to see that in another film or tv show ever again but yeah i mean there is something you know we know the montage of the writer balling up the paper yeah and then the balls of paper collect in the in the trash can i mean i i think that in a weird way it's like montage and manipulating how we perceive time actually becomes one of the main ways that we can depict this because Mm -hmm. often it takes a long time as the get back documentary shows it takes a long time to get to something that's interesting yeah you're absolutely right it's sort of what I was saying about the live streaming your writing process where just 20 hours will just be nothing (laughs) there'll be nothing to watch Susan Laurie Parks, the playwright, Mm -hmm. did a project at the Public Theater called, I think, Watch Me Work or something like that, which was literally her sitting at a red typewriter and then like typing, like just trying to write with an audience there. Wow. Which is like... I feel like I would get something done if I did it in that way, but there's no way to make that your daily work routine. No, no, exactly. But maybe we'll live stream some some writing sessions. Like, hey, y'all, just going to do a Pomodoro. Come, this is for Slate Plus Plus. We'll have access Slate to our, plus our plus. Twitch stream yeah. of us writing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. So it's all well and good to criticize other people's work. But Karen, you and I have both worked on projects where we have to actually depict the creative process. Have so, I? Yes. Haven't you? you? I mean, when you interview... Uh, Someone you have to talk about their creative process, or aren't you working on a book right now where the creative process oh, okay. is, is somewhat okay, relevant? Okay, sure. You know? Okay. So yeah, all right. Maybe. <laughs> I was well, like, this is news to me. Anyway, we're gonna argue about this off mic while you listen to some ads. More after this. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Hey listeners, is there a creative problem or roadblock that we can help you with? If so, send us an email to working at slate.com or better yet, call us and leave a voicemail at 304-933-WORK. We created this spinoff show just so that we can hash out <laughs> your problems and try to help you. So uh, give us a call or write us an email. All right, back to the show. So, Karen, whether you agree with me or not that you have tried to depict the creative process, I think we can say that it is a little easier for prose writers because mm-hmm. you can get inside the person, right? Or you can quote an interview with them where they talk about it. We have certain other tools at our disposal that like TV and film don't. But are there are there ways you think about that in terms of your own writing or, or that you you struggle with or that you find complicated? I think the main thing that I have to try to keep in mind is both asserting that I know something about this creative process or the subject that I'm writing about, while balancing the fact that authorial intent, I think, is always kind of the Mm. hardest part to talk about, both in criticism and also in instances like these, where you can say, ooh, I think he did this in order to represent this. But if he hasn't literally said that, then it is kind of just conjecture, and you have to balance, like this is what I think and here's the proof um, with not sounding like, oh, baby, this is true. I don't know anything, you know? Yeah, that whole thing about authority as Mm -hmm. a writer, as a critic, especially as a storyteller, when you're talking about other people and their work is really complicated because if you caveat it too much, it's like, why am I even listening to you? I could go out and watch this thing. Like, who cares about your opinion? But if you overstep the bounds, then you're like speaking for the artist Mm -hmm. in a way that's kind of, inappropriate. I, now, I, I want to ask because I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you and when I was in high school and college, it was still kind of like the new criticism. The author is dead. You don't talk about the author. There's only the work. And I think in some ways, my own now lifelong interest in the creative process and in talking about it is a rebellion against that education. It's like, no, no, no. These people have interesting things to say. They're real human beings. Um, uh, What was your, like when you were an art history major, how did you all talk about art and the creative process? Did you talk about the process through which the paintings were made or do you just talk about the paintings in their historical context or what? Both. I think we were pretty well-rounded in that respect, where it's like, as long if whatever your argument is, as long as you can support it somehow, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because it's explicitly text or because you have all these other contextual clues that kind of suggest that this to be true. It was just as long as you can make a convincing argument, then that's fine. Do you think that your education, the way you were taught to think about and argue about visual art has shaped the way that you write about TV and film? I think so, just because I think one of the big misconceptions of criticism in general is that a piece of criticism is kind of a definitive take on whether something Mm -hmm. is good or not. And that's just never the case. It always is the writer's opinion. And the text of the review is just sort of explaining is supporting that argument. You know, it's the same principle. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, or maybe that's just like your opinion, man. It is my opinion, man. It is just my opinion. Man. That's what honestly really boils my broccoli a lot of the time when I go on Twitter where people are like, I'm the wait, only wait, wait, one wait, wait, who's... Wait. Okay. Boils your broccoli? <laughs> boils your broccoli? I'm going to have to steal that one. It's good, right? Yeah. I got it from Animal Crossing. Um, but I... <laughs> 
It is. It just annoys me so much when I go on Twitter and someone's like, I'm the definitive expert on this and no one else is right. And it's like, that will never, ever be the case. No one will ever have right. the one definitive argument on something because there's so much out there. As long as you can have an argument, like as long as you can support your argument, then you can. It's fine. Like, uh, anyway, criticism. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Well, just like, you know, there's no absolute authority in criticism, there is no absolute authority in terms of who's good and who's bad at depicting the creative process. Mm -hmm. And so actually, listeners, if you're listening to this and you have some ideas of TV or film that you think did a really great job at depicting the creative process in all its highs and lows, we would love to hear from you. So just write us an email at workingatslate.com and we'll talk about it on a future episode of uh, Working Overtime. So once again, that is working at slate.com and that is all the time we have for this week's episode if you like the show or even if you don't don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you have ideas for things we could do better or questions you'd like us to address we would love to hear from you you can send us an email at working at slate.com or give us a ring at 304-933-WORK and if you'd like to support what we do, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. You get bonus content, including exclusive episodes of How to Do It and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll be supporting what we do right here on Working. Sign up at slate.com slash working plus. Big thanks to our producers, Cameron Drews and Kevin Bendis. We'll be back on Sunday with a brand new episode of Working. And in two weeks, we'll have another Working Overtime. Until then, get back to work. <laughs>